Okay, well, let's start with a word of prayer. Ask God's uh, blessing. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, thankful for this season uh, because it gives us uh, perhaps extra reflection upon the majesty of the advent, the grace of God in our Savior. Um, bless us in this study to grow in appreciation, affection, uh, love and service uh, for Thy kingdom of which He rules. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, this morning, um, we're going to look at the doctrine of justification. And um, remember that uh, we are justified, comes to us from our union with Christ. And it, uh, it falls under the broader heading of... Uh, the application of redemption. So uh, if you look at um, E, to E, um, Murray begins with the question, how can a sinful man be justified with God? Um, and that's really what justification does. Uh, um, makes us right before God. He establishes a key point. We're going to look at this a bit later. Um, I don't know whether we get to it today or not, but we may get to it in a couple of weeks because we won't have Sunday school next week. Um, but um, in, in, in the Roman Catholic Church, justification happens with, within the individual uh, and it makes the person righteous. Um, Murray obviously rejects that view as, as well as we do. It uh, doesn't have anything to do with uh, you as an individual and what's happening within you. Uh, that's, that's not justification. Um, so he, he does say, uh, if you look at um, to be number one, justification is a declarative event to declare uh, one to be righteous in a judicial sense. Um, forensic sense, judicial sense. So it is, it is a verdict from the heavenly court uh, regarding your legal status. Um, Essentially, that you are that you are not guilty. So, the court of heaven in the doctrine of justification is declaring you to be not guilty. Um, we believe forever that that's it's an unchangeable event. But nonetheless, uh, if you look at two, based on what? Uh, it's based on the righteousness of Christ. It's imputed to us. Uh, and therefore, we are accepted as righteous in God's sight. Okay. In 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 the in the reformed view, uh, the operative word here is imputed or charged. It's just going to be charged to your account. Okay. Uh, Roman Catholic uh, used the word uh, an infused righteousness within you uh, to make you righteous. Again, we totally reject that. Um, because 
again, apart from God's uh, sovereign grace and our union with Christ, we could have no union. We could have no uh, standing before God's court. So it's a legal declaration of righteousness that we are not guilty. Um, three, uh, Murray calls it alien. Alien in the sense that not that it's strange, but it's foreign to us. It comes totally outside of us. Um, namely, someone else's righteousness. That, I mean, that's really what he means by an alien righteousness. It's not ours. It's someone else's righteousness. Well, whose righteousness is it? Yeah, it's exactly, it's Christ's righteousness. Okay, so, uh, you know, go back in your mind and think through his sojourning on this earth. He lived a perfect life, perfect obedience. He was totally righteous before God. He was sinless perfection. I mean, he never sinned. Uh, he obeyed all of the law of God. The merits of that is charged to our account. And that's why we have legal standing with God. So in that sense, it's alien. Because it comes from someone else, namely Christ. Okay. No one else's righteousness would do. Okay, Because no one has legal standing before God. If, if, uh, again, only the Son does, because only He, only he does perfect. Uh, only He obeys all the, all the law of God. Um, you go back to Roman Catholicism, uh, the church is dispensing that, uh, which we reject. Um, the Spirit of God is dispensing it, and uh, uh, the righteousness of Christ is charged to our account. Uh, so it, it, um, to me, it's a very beautiful doctrine uh, because of these words like alien, it's someone else's. Uh, yeah, I'm not righteous because the, uh, the Roman Catholic Church says that I am, accepts me, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Uh, I'm righteous because Christ imputes His righteousness to, our, to my account, gives me legal standing before God. So it's a, again, think about it, it's a legal declaration of righteousness. It's not a moral declaration. That's Roman Catholicism. That's substantively Arminianism. Uh, we do something to please God. Uh, he, uh, he accepts us. We couldn't do anything, so Christ as our representative, as our covenant head, charges His righteousness to our account. Uh, it, I mean, it's as if you were, you know, this is kind of a crummy analogy, but uh, if, if you were, uh, if you secured bankruptcy protection from a court, uh, but the court said, look, buddy, you still got to pay. And uh, someone comes in and pays that bill for you. You didn't do anything for it. Someone else did it for you. Well, the, well, well, the court accepts it. This court doesn't care where the money comes from. They just care that you know the money was paid. So at that point, uh, uh, the court... Um, uh, declares that you've met your obligations. Uh, Christ as our representative goes to court and says, look, I've charged my righteousness to, to, uh, to their account. 
Um, and the court says not guilty, uh, accepted. So, uh, and again, that's, that is essential to our assurance in the faith uh, because God's declarative judgments are, are immutable. They don't change. Okay? So if you think of Roman Catholicism, uh, uh, Greek Orthodox, uh, all the Orthodox faiths, and then Arminianism, um, we can lose it. You know? uh, so ultimately it's left to us. In our case, it's left up to Christ. So it, yes, ma'am. Sure. It is, it is the Holy Spirit infusing grace within you to help you do certain things um, uh, like engage the sacraments of penance. Does that, does that help a little bit? So, so the Spirit's doing it, but He's doing it within you. And in our view of justification, it's not within us at all. It's external. The court is saying, you are righteous based upon the righteousness of Christ. So it's an imputation of an alien righteousness uh, for which uh, God the Father, is, he, he accepts it. Okay. Because Christ is our, is our federal head. He's acting for us. And uh, He charges His righteousness to our account and the Father accepts it. So in that sense, it's a legal declaration of righteousness that's alien to us. Um, so, I'm sorry, say that again. Yes, because you're doing certain things. You're, you're apprehending the sacrament of penance. Uh, see, in, see in, in Catholic theology, baptism washes you morally clean. Well, the infant, or whatever the case might be, the adult, uh, uh, you know, the infant grows up in, in sin, so then it must engage the sacrament of penance. Um, uh, we will, at some point, whether this morning or in a couple of weeks, I will read to you the Roman Catholic um, creedal statement on justification, and that might help a little bit. So we'll, we'll, we'll look at that. Okay. Um, number three, it's an act which proceeds from God's free grace. Uh, the only pre prerequisite is faith alone. Um, uh, we, we will look at perhaps uh, perhaps this morning um, how the Shorter Catechism defines the doctrine of justification just to make a connection between Grace Bible Church and the Reformers. So let's, I mean, let's look at some verses. I mean, all this is theology. Uh, we... Uh, 
Let's look, look at Romans chapter 5. Um, so keep in mind, one of the things that Paul's going to do here is establish the clarity of our relationship to our uh, ancient forefather, Adam, who failed in the garden and um, uh, because he was our father, uh, the moral corruption and the guilt of that is charged to us. He voted for us. We're guilty uh, because he was our federal head. Christ reverses that for his elect. He, that's why he's oftentimes referred to as the last Adam. He comes to fix what the first Adam lost. So, uh, Romans 5, 17 to 19. For by the transgression of the one, death reigned. Okay, that's, a, that's the first Adam, Adam and Eve in the garden. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through the one transgression, there resulted in condemnation to all men, even so, through the one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be, will be made righteous. Now, keep in mind, Paul is really defining for us uh, in verse 18, who's the all men? Uh, um, our, our, our federal head, Adam, represented all, all of humanity. Um, so there's an interplay between uh, the one and the many. Uh, the last Adam uh, uh, justified us. Uh, so the many, uh, again, verse 19, the many will be made righteous. So look at 1 Corinthians. Uh, chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But by His doing, uh, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Okay, so Christ is the source of our righteousness. Um, Critical, critical uh, doctrine. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty-one. Um, So he made him, namely Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Okay. So uh, the uh, uh, in, in, in Christ's passive obedience, he was on the cross and all of the sin of the elect was charged to his account. I mean, that's why he's suffering. 
and he's paying the bill. Okay, so on the cross. Um, so uh, the sin of the elect is charged to his account, and then his righteousness is charged to our account. Now, I mean, it's critical, it's critical for you to understand that this is the basis of your salvation. Okay. Uh, yes, you apprehend it by faith, but we've already studied that faith is a product of the Spirit of God working in our lives because dead men can't believe. Okay, So God makes us alive. Uh, we have the ability then to believe. We apprehend what Christ did for us. We accept Him as our Savior. Uh, but the basis of our salvation has nothing to do with us. It's based on Him. His righteousness is charged to our account. So you're not saved because you prayed. You're not saved because you believed. You're not saved because you're a good person. You're not saved because, I don't know, you pay your taxes on time or whatever. You're saved because the righteousness of Christ is charged to your account. Uh, and the court says, from now, forever, you are, you are not guilty. Okay. Um, th this, you know, by the way, is, is a great way to witness to people. Because most people have this conception that, you know, I, I do some things and God accepts me based upon what I do. But think about it. The things that we do are temporal because we're fallen human beings. We're temporal human beings. We need something greater than temporal. We need eternal. That's what Christ is for us. Um, and uh, we're also imperfect. We do imperfection. Uh, you know, think of uh, uh, Isaiah 64. The prophet says, all our righteousness are as filthy rags. All our righteousness, the best that we can do, is filthy to God. Because we're sinners. So we need something better than what we can do. And that's what Christ is. He does it for us. Okay? I mean, I, I, I've reminded you last week, I think, that we are saved by works. They're just not our works. They're His. And because He was infinite perfection and obeyed all of the law, the merits of His obedience charged to our account. It's, and it's purely a legal transaction. It's like you're bankrupt and I go to your credit card company and I pay the bill. credit card company could care less who it comes from. You know, they just want to see the transaction. And, and the moment I pay that bill, um, they stop billing you for past charges, obviously, but they stop billing you. You know, I used to, used to get in a little bit of an argument. People say, well, uh, uh, yeah, but you got to do something. What do you have to do? Well, well, you, you've got to do something. Look, the, the, the credit card company doesn't bill you anymore. What's there to do? Okay, so that's, you know, my point is that's the entire basis of your salvation. Now, now don't, you know, don't fret. We do things. We are charged to do things in all the scripture, but that's a different doctrine. That's the doctrine of sanctification where there is a righteousness within us whereby we do things. 
Okay? But not, not the doctrine of justification. Okay? Uh, let's look at one more verse. Philippians. I mean, this, is, this comes to us from the Apostle Paul, who was a pretty righteous guy. Um, Philippians chapter 3. Verse 8. Okay, so, I mean, let's, let's look at verse 7. For whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. So he's rejecting everything that he's done. Okay. Verse 8. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Uh, verse 9, and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So it's nothing, nothing that you've done whatsoever. Um, it's the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. And again, your faith doesn't save you. God saves you. Okay, so um, this, is a, this is a very important doctrine, I think, to understand, to grasp the reality of it. Uh, a judicial decree uh, in which the righteousness of Christ is, is charged to your account. Um, does everybody have have uh, smooth words? Everybody have this? Okay, good. So, uh, um, I'm on page 212. Does everyone's book have, uh, at, if, you, if you look at the first sentence, we can illustrate the Reformed view. Is that so, so let's just read here for a moment. We can illustrate the Reformed view from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Okay, now that's all that I'm doing here is establishing uh, a theological link between the beliefs of Grace Bible Church and the Puritans of uh, the 17th century. Okay, so we're you know we're going back a long, long time. Uh, not that history saves us. Again, I'm just establishing a theological belief. And, and this doctrine is held consistently within the Reformed community. Okay. And, 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 and by the way, um, it might help you to understand historically that the entire Protestant Reformation is based upon this doctrine. Justification. This is what this is what Luther uh, was fighting for. Okay. So uh, so reform view of the doctrine of justification is the essence of the gospel and the cornerstone of our security. So I'm quoting here the shorter catechism. Justification is an act of God's free grace wherein He pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in His sight 
only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. That's question and answer 33 of the Shorter Catechism. Now, I mean, it's a pretty heavy statement. Which, I mean, let's just go through it very quickly. So an act of God's free grace. How does God deal with us? His free grace. He was under no obligation whatsoever to save anyone. Christ was under no obligation to come to pay the bill. It's just God is being gracious. It's His sovereign, His sovereign grace. Uh, it all depends upon His grace. Uh, it's an act of God's free grace where He pardons all our sins. Okay. Uh, a lot of a lot of Christians have a difficulty with that phrase. What word do you think they have a difficulty with? All. He pardoned all of your sins, past, present, and future. If there's any sin in your life that He hasn't pardoned, even something that you're going to do ten years from now, God forbid, but we are still sinners. You're not saved. Okay. Because sin incurs infinite liability before an infinitely holy God. Uh, when I confess my sin before God, um, I'm not confessing my sin so that He will pardon me. I'm confessing my sin because He pardoned me. Okay. He pardoned all our sin. You have to really kind of let that sink in a little bit. Uh, every, you know, most people have a, yeah, I get past sins. And I get present sins, but future, let me think about that. Well, again, the reformers are telling us he pardoned all our sins. Okay. I believe our confessional time in church that we open our service with, not for forgiveness. He already pardoned us. And this is my view. Well, it happens to be the view of the shorter catechism as well. Uh, I, I'm confessing my sin because of what he's done. Uh, and, and, and it is important to confess our sins. We just say, Lord, I did wrong. I did evil. Thank you for forgiveness and for pardoning me. Because again, if there's some future sin, uh, and this is where the Roman Catholic Church comes in, they come in with the doctrine of penance. Uh, you got to do some things. You've got to go to the priest and ask for forgiveness, and he's going to give you some things to do. Say 50 Hail Marys, um, say the Lord's Prayer five times, uh, write a check for $5,000 to the church. I mean, I don't know what, you know, but they give you something to do. Because you have to make atonement. Now think about that. You're a temporal fallen human being, and you're participating in your atonement. That's. That's difficult for me to grasp the logical failures of that, but that's that's what they do. Um, so, um, so then, so then the priest says, you know, you're you're forgiven. Next week, go back to confession. Forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. Christ does all that for us. I'm not, I'm not trying to denigrate uh, asking for forgiveness, but I don't get it from a priest because guess what? He is as fallen as I am. 
what can he do for me? Okay. I have the great high priest who pardons all my sins. It's an incredible doctrine, but that's, that's the majesty of God's grace. Most Christians don't have a sense of that. Uh, forgiveness and security. Uh, uh, <clears throat> one of the signal doctrines of Arminianism is that you have to, uh, uh, you have to persevere in doing righteousness. And if you don't, you'll fall away. And it's all on you. So really, they, they, don't, they don't really have assurance and security. The moment it's based upon you, you're in trouble. Yeah. But that's, that's the entire uh, plank of, uh, of Arminianism, which governs most every church in Oklahoma City. Uh, Roman Catholic is semi-Pelagian, which is a cousin to Arminianism. You know. Yeah, Christ has done these things for you. Now you better keep yourself, lest you fall away. To me, those are horrifying words. Um, so, so he pardons all our sins. Now notice, and accepts us as righteous in his sight. Look at the word only. That's a very operative word there. Only, only, only. If, if you look at the, the cross that's outside the entrance to our door there, grace alone. Christ alone. No one else. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church and the Arminian uh, uh, churches would go to that cross and cover up on each plank the word alone. They believe in faith. They believe in grace. They believe in Christ. But not alone. Okay, Very important you to recognize when you're witnessing to people, including Roman Catholics and Arminians. Uh, again, I'm not saying they're lost. I don't know. It's, I'm... I'm not the referee. God is. But that word alone is, is absolutely critical. In Arminianism and Roman Catholicism, you can have no uh, eternal security because you might fall away. Okay. Uh, there was a Reformed historian that was here uh, eight or ten years ago delivering the Warfield Lectures he told the story that one of it, he, he was at the time a professor at the Westminster Theological Seminary. His name's Carl Truman. No, name means anything to you all. But he said, one of my students was on an airplane uh, and providentially got to sit next to a Roman Catholic bishop. Well, I mean, if anybody's going to be saved, I mean, Roman Catholic bishop, I mean, He's got the uniform and all the things, you know. The, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty important person. And so the student asked him, well, do you have any security to your salvation? His answer, his answer was, one cannot be too sure of these things. Okay. We can be sure. You know why? Christ alone. Grace alone. Faith alone. Okay. So... Uh, accepts us as righteous in His sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us received by faith alone. Okay. Um, so, um, some, 
I'm just, again, making a connection. Uh, uh, and again, you know, the, uh, you know, Roman Catholics are going to say, oh, Bowersocks, you're going back to the 16th century. We go back way before that. The Orthodox are going to say, hey, we're the most ancient of all. Uh, uh, I'm just putting a marker down of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, but it comes from the Scripture, and that's the most ancient of all. Because the doctrine of, of uh, justification comes from Scripture. Um, uh, Roman Catholics believe in an infused righteousness within us. Uh, orthodoxy does not have a doctrine of justification. Um, so it's based upon the righteousness of, of Christ alone that's accepted by God the Father. Um, So, if you would, um, turn to page 216. So I'm going to quote here a couple of reform, uh, pardon me, a couple of Roman Catholic statements to help you understand their view. Uh, why am I doing that? Because uh, Catholic Church is a, is a very large church. I mean, uh, it's worldwide, uh, obviously, as is our, as is, uh, you know, Reformed churches, but um, lots of Roman Catholics in the world. Um, so I'm quoting here, if you look at the top, uh, the compendium catechism of the Catholic Church. What is justification? Justification is the most excellent work of God's love. It is the merciful and freely given act of God which takes away our sins, and makes us just and holy in our whole being. Uh, notice makes us in our whole being. It is brought about by the means of grace of the Holy Spirit, which has been merited for us by the passion of Christ, and is given to us in baptism. Justification is the beginning of the free response of man, that is, faith in Christ, and of cooperation with the grace of the Holy Spirit. Notice cooperation with the grace of the Holy Spirit. What is the grace that justifies? The grace that is the, pardon me, that grace is the gratuitous gift that God gives to us to make us participants in His Trinitarian life and able to act by His love. It is called habitual, sanctifying, or deifying grace because it sanctifies and divinizes us. I'm just reading that so you can see is it's something within us. Uh, and notice in their, in their definition of the doctrine of justification, notice that last line. It uses the doctrine of sanctification. The Roman Catholic Church essentially confuses sanctification and justification. And it's very important, if you think of the Reformed view, um, and we're going to get into this, I'm talking about justification coming first, uh, what will follow that is sanctification. What the Roman Catholic Church does is reverse the order. Okay. Uh, we're sanctified. We participate. We cooperate. And based upon our cooperation, 
we're justified. Now, notice, um, let's go on. Uh, I'm just going to read to you here. Forgive me for that. In other words, justification is a work within us and partially by us as we cooperate with the grace of the Holy Spirit. Regardless, the compression of the two doctrines is palpable. From the catechism itself, so now I'm quoting from the Roman Catholic catechism. Okay. Previous was a compendium catechism. This is the catechism itself. It's a doctrinal statement that comes to us by way of the church's magisterium as a basis for their authority. Okay, keep in mind the Roman Catholic Church has three, uh, a three-legged stool of the doctrine of authority. Uh, scriptures, tradition or the church fathers, and then the magisterium. That's the basis of their authority. Basis of our authority is Scripture alone. Okay. We have to go back to Scripture. Not in Scripture, but I mean, I don't really. That's why we talk a lot of theology, and then I go to the Scriptures. Okay. My theology doesn't make it so. Scripture makes it so. So I'm I'm going to quote now from the and, and I just I just want to confirm the confusion I believe of the Roman Catholic. Uh, uh, a magisterium. Justification is not only the remission of sins, but also the sanctification and the renewal of the interior man. In other words, working within us, renewing within us. Within us. Our view is an alien righteousness totally external to us, charged to our account. So justification is not only the remission of sin, but also the sanctification and renewal of the interior man. Justification detaches man from sin, which contradicts the love of God, and purifies his heart of sin. With justification, faith, hope, and, pardon me, with justification, faith, hope, and charity are poured into our hearts, and obedience to the divine will is granted us. Justification is conferred in baptism, the sacrament of faith. It conforms us to the righteousness of God, who makes us inwardly just by the power of his mercy. And justification establishes cooperation between God's grace and man's freedom. Now, I read that and I get confused. Okay. But the confusion is simply what I've just stated. You're sanctified and then you're justified. We, we reverse that. We're justified and then we're sanctified. Sanctification is a work within you. Okay. Uh, God doesn't, God doesn't say you're not guilty and then say, well, that's, that's good. You're fixed forever. No, he's going to work within us. That's where infusion comes in in the doctrine of sanctification. But this is not infusion. This is imputation. Charged to your account. The court says not guilty. And you stand up and say, but I am guilty. And your advocate says, no, you're not. Shut up. I've, I've, I've done it. Okay. I'm the basis. Okay. My righteousness charged for your account. Now, I'm just I'm being silly there with, you know, the word "shut up." But but we have an advocate who is the only advocacy that the eternal court of heaven will accept. No others, not even the Pope. Not even the Pope gets in. Why is that? Because the Pope is represented by the first Adam too. He's not perfect. 
This pope, the current pope, is in a lot of trouble. I mean, the conservatives are raking him over the coals because he's playing fast and loose with alien, with, with alternative lifestyles. Okay? So, I mean, they're, they're raking him over the coals. But he's still the pope, you know. Uh, uh, and, and he can't save. Why can't he save? Because, uh, because of the first Adam. I mean, he may be a good guy. I don't, I don't know him, but I reject his theology uh, because they corrupt the doctrine of justification. This is one of the most signal doctrines of the Protestant church. It's, it, I mentioned this earlier, but I'm going to say it again. Why was there a Protestant Reformation? This doctrine. This doctrine. Luther was fighting this incredible struggle within him because he knew he was still a sinner. Okay? Uh, so the head of his order, he's an Augustinian monk. He, Luther, you're so troubled. Go to Rome and, and you'll see the beauty of the church there. Well, what? Well, he goes there and, you know, what he sees is sinners. I'm sure he did some things. Maybe he, you know, walked up the steps. Uh, on his knees. I mean, I, I don't know what he did, but you know, he he would all he would always come away from the theology of the Catholic Church with a signal question, and here's his question: It applies to all of us. Have I done enough? I mean, how do you please an eternally perfect God? You can't. Have I done enough? He reads the Book of Romans and he gets it. Justification by grace through faith. The righteousness of Christ imputed to our account. That's the start of the Protestant Reformation. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, these are, these are important options. I believe, at least one of my hopes in this class is not that I'm just departing a bunch of academic historical material, biblical material, is it might help you in witness uh, to Roman Catholics as well as Greek Orthodox. I'm not saying they're not saved. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't deal on that level. That's, that's the level that God deals on. Um, um, but I know that uh, they're confused in their understanding of salvation. And they really can have no eternal peace and security. Uh, we have peace and security and assurance. Not for license, but to serve God freely, which we'll get into in, in, uh, in the uh, doctrine of sanctification. So, I mean, it's a great doctrine. Turn to page 218. I've got two minutes. I want to, uh, I've, I've done a comparison here between justification and sanctification. Okay. Let's look at the comparison. Uh, Justification imputes an alien righteousness is a forensic term or a legal term. In other words, it's court. A court is, is issuing an order. Okay. That, that's what we mean by forensic or legal. Works for man. Okay. Not in man, works for man. For, sin is pardoned. I believe all sin is pardoned. Okay. It's a joy of our salvation. Sin is pardoned. Five, removes the guilt of sin. Is it once completed? 
We don't keep going back to get justified. It's, it's a completed act because Christ has done it for us. And I want to remind you, Christ does perfection. If He didn't do perfection, we could never be saved. He does perfection. Now let's look at sanctification. Uh, notice the order. I've placed it after the doctrine of justification. The Roman Catholic Church, when I read through the compendium and the catechism itself, uses sanctification in their definition of the doctrine of justification. So to me, that's really confused. I mean, that, and, that, and that is an egregious theological error. Uh, notice the comparison with justification. Justification is the imputation of righteousness. Sanctification infuses an inherent righteousness. Uh, justification is a legal term. Sanctification is a moral term. Justification works for man. Sanctification works in man. Uh, justification, sin is pardoned. Sin is subdued. You're still fallen. You come to Christ, you're still fallen. Okay? And the Spirit of God's working in you to subdue sin. Okay. Uh, the fallenness is not removed until Christ comes again or you die uh, in our in doctrine of glorification. Five, removes the stain of sin. Okay. Is a progressive work. Uh, Justification is a completed work. Removes the guilt of sin. So what was imputed to us by the by our forefather, Adam in the garden, uh, uh, that guilt is removed. Uh, the penalty is removed. You are, you are declared not guilty. Uh, this removes the stain of sin and is a progressive work. Continues throughout our life. Okay? Um, Anybody have any questions? Uh, so this to me is a very, very critical doctrine. If you, if you, if you kind of struggle with it, it uh, most of you all have access to the uh, Westminster Catechism. I mean, it's stated in the back of our hymnal. Uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, Reformed study Bibles duplicate the confessional statements. Okay. And, and um, um, you know, you can simply review it there. Uh, but uh, the entirety of the Reformed Church is in agreement uh, with, with this definition of the doctrine of justification. Um, sadly, post-Martin Luther, the Lutheran Church fell away becomes Arminian. So it just shows you the danger. I mean, um, that Satan's always at work. So we always have to be vigilant. Um, but uh, all, all the Reformed churches are, are in agreement with this doctrine. But the Lutheran church is not a Reformed church. It's an Arminian church. Uh, uh, you know, next week I'll, I'll review very quickly... Um, confessional statement of the Episcopal Church uh, that is also in America fallen away over this alternative lifestyle. Uh, 
stuff. Uh, but we'll, we will read their doctrinal statement. Uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, which was a very prominent uh, catechism of the Reformed Church on the continent of Europe, you know, agrees with this doctrine. We have the Westminster Standards. Uh, we've talked about the Synod of Dort, uh, 17th century church council. So, I mean, these are, these are great, great, it was great agreement. More importantly, the scriptures agree, <laughs> you know, who cares about church councils and blah, blah, blah. Um, Roman Catholics do because that's part of their uh, doctrinal authority. Okay, let's close very quickly in a, in a word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy sovereign grace. Uh, the um, cause of our salvation for the mercy of the Savior uh, by whose righteousness we are justified. And we are simply declared not guilty by the court. Our sins are all pardoned. How can we uh, not but praise and worship our great God uh, for divine mercy? Uh, and these things we offer thee thanksgiving in the name of Christ our Redeemer. Amen.